think the biggest piece of advice is get the right people on your team and don't be afraid of doing that. Um, and I think take the time in the beginning to strategize and hopefully move forward in a way where you can afford um, to financially invest in those people. For me, I have a wonderful um, business consultant, um, Kemyar Shah, and he's been really helpful with me as far as moving forward and, and giving me those golden nuggets and those pieces of advice to build right in the very beginning and the structure that I need to have in place to start things right. everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Renee Rosales, and Renee came from, uh, in her own words, hardworking family. Um, parents always had side gigs, and so in college, she had multiple jobs while earning, the, earning a degree, including, I think, a painting business or something to do with painting at one point, um, got a degree in education, worked in public education for a while, got married, had some kids, um, and just, got going doing some side gigs while she was raising the family, and I think it might have something to do with teaching school, or she can correct me where I'm wrong. Um, and then with COVID, all the kids went online, decided to launch her own business, and she'll get into a little bit more of as to what that is. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Renee. Thank you so much, Devin. I'm so happy to be here, and I love what you're doing with the Inventive Journey. I think it's awesome for us to be able to share our experiences with one another, and hopefully gain a lot of wisdom along the way. We all have a different journey, but um, we share a lot of the same struggles and challenges, and hopefully we can help each other share some of the same victories. Um, Absolutely. Talk- no. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's great. Now, it's always fun to hear everybody's journeys and uh, to help each other along the way. So now maybe to kick off, you know, talking a little bit about your journey. So we uh we, I gave the 30-second uh, version, the high-level version, which doesn't, I'm sure, do any justice to it. So maybe with that, tell us a little bit how your journey got started with uh, working and, you know, we're coming up in a hardworking family and how you did multiple jobs going through college. Yeah, sure. Um, basically, my parents were, they're wonderful people. They both had full-time jobs throughout my childhood, but they always had a side hustle. They always had their own business that they did together. Um and I come from a, lot, a history of creative people. And my parents were crafters, my, my father's a carpenter. And so they created home decor together and they sold that um, to, to different individuals. It was before the internet. So they had little home groups that would come over and I was a part of that. And it was always kind of like the, I never even thought about it. It was just something we did as a family. They recruited us to help them do things. I'm a painter, um, an artistic painter. And so that led into um, me developing a a business called Artistic Accents when I was in college, just to kind of supplement. I was also waiting tables and um, getting my degree in English education with a concentration in art. And um, I enjoyed doing that. And I, but I had a difficult time really dialing in exactly what I wanted to do with the exception of I knew I wanted to help young people. And I saw education as being this huge um, benefit and, and an opportunity for kids that potentially didn't have this kind of resources I did growing up. Uh, having a way um, 
out or away um, through some more of the challenges. It's like, you know, we know that within education and now the landscape is changing, but in the, in the 80s and the 90s, you needed to have that degree to, to get the job and to make a way. And so um, I went into English education and I loved it, but I uh, early on recognized that I had leadership uh, qualities that other people didn't necessarily share. Like I was always doing extra. I have a high, I'm a high functioning ADHD or like I, I have the energy of the energizer bunny. You know, I always have done extra. And so I got a lot of ed tech experience and that kind of launched me into um, online schools. And at the time those were- Dive in real quick ahead. on that. So. Mm -hmm. Because we, or I think, jumped over part of the journey, which is so you went to school, you got it, you know, you worked at multiple jobs and, and doing those things while you're in college. You came out with an educational degree. Now, before you got into ed tech and online schools, I think you mentioned, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you worked as a, you know, quote unquote, normal teacher in the educational system or, or teaching kids to face to face. Is that right? Yeah. So I started as an English teacher and I taught inner city Cleveland um, at a middle school. And I waited tables on the side and I still had my artistic accent thing going. So I was doing a lot of different things all at once. Um, and I loved it. I love working with um, kids and I, I really love alternative um, education. That's kind of what my niche was. I, I've always had an easy time working with kids that other people may have find, found challenging or difficult to reach. That was kind of always an easy, uh, uh, it's a point of that, excellence for me. I could just dive right in and find that connection and making connections has never been a problem. No, oh, and I think that, you know, sounds like plenty to keep you busy. And I think that, you know, being a teacher is a full-time job. And then you add on a couple of things. Now, one of the things that we haven't talked before, but I thought was interesting. So um, what, just out of curiosity, what part of Cleveland were you in? I grew up in Akron, actually, and then I moved to Little Italy in Cleveland. I don't know if you okay. were, know where that's so, at. <laughs> that's, that's funny, just because I went to Case for, law, for my law degree as well as my MBA degree. I went to Case Western, so uh, I actually lived in Little Italy as well. So it's always kind of funny to how small the world is. But yeah, so we, we lived in Little Italy for the, the whole time I was uh, going to school, and so certainly uh, familiar with that area as well. Yeah, and I waited tables at Corvo's, the Golden Bowl, when it was still there. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's, yeah. that's always funny that how, how small the world can be. So we'll, we'll focus on that. But uh, just had to, mm -hmm. add there, thought it was an interesting side note that we both had uh, ties to Cleveland. It sounds like uh, we're in the same area. So with yeah. that, um, so now you're saying, okay, I'm doing, you know, doing the, being a teacher, doing additional side hustles, trying, you know, to continue to do that. Now, how did you start to get into ed tech or to doing more online and kind of making that transition? Was that kind of just branching out from what you're doing as a teacher or as a side hustle or kind of where did, or how did you get into that? It's kind of interesting because honestly, I had a vocal cord issues when I was um, in one of my first three, four years of teaching and I had to go through some vocal cord operations. And at the same time, I had met my husband and he was going into his residency and we relocated to Arizona. And so, and my voice wasn't still full throttle. I mean, I was in with a headset in my classroom because I there was like six months where I could barely talk louder than a whisper. And I still pushed through and uh, we moved. And then um, I was looking for a job in Arizona and I ended up, they didn't have an English teaching position open, but I um, found a job. They wanted me at Mountain View High School in Marana 
which is near Tucson. And I, and I, they put me in a computer lab and like, I'm very high energy. So I happen to know the software system and I developed a credit recovery program um, for the students there. And it was the first credit recovery program in Marana. And so after doing that, my, I went from having no kids in the class and just being monitoring the lab to having seven periods of the day, the class was completely full. And then the um, superintendent came to me and said, you know, we're recognizing you as an emerging leader. We want you to build this school without walls. Um, and that's when really online high schools were first coming to fruition. Um, so what, I partnered what with- What date was there? What year was this? Just curious, you know, because certainly yeah. now as we've hit COVID and now everybody has had to probably experience online schools to a degree, whether they were done well or not, it's a different question. But, you know, what year was this when you started to get into that? So I moved, um, it was around 2000, between 2003, 2004, we had to write um, and get approval to have the school get rights from the state for that. We went through the process and the school doors were open um, by the spring of 2004. We had the first students enrolling. Um, and then we moved to Flagstaff. My husband finished his residency and we ended up moving to Flagstaff. So we partnered with Mesa Unified, which is the largest school district in um, Arizona. And they were the first public school district to have an online school program. So we used their curriculum. We shared students. Um, and I went to the then director, um, Doug Bernard. It's now Jennifer Eccles. And um, I said, hey, can we do this again in, in Northern Arizona? So he said, sure, just find me the partners and we'll, and we'll make it happen again. So I, we moved to Flagstaff. I started teaching at Flag High. I was teaching English. I said, you give me a job and I'll bring you an online school. And so that's what we did. And in 2005, I started another school. Then it was a program and we made it the 16th school in Flagstaff in 2016. No, and so, so it sounds like, you know, you started all the way back early 2000s and it's been a bit of an evolution that uh, kind of as you're teaching and being part of the, the school system that you were continuing to be, you know, develop that and, and implement things and uh, be a lot of the point person. So now that you've, you've kind of gone through that and you are continuing to go through that, how did your journey transition a bit to where you're at today? And I think you mentioned, correct me again where I'm wrong, that it started out a bit with kind of COVID and seeing your kids mm -hmm. and others having to go online and do things and maybe it not done as well or something along that lines. And so how did you kind of, what prompted you to kind of go after the endeavor you're at today? And did you leave this teaching system? Are you still there? Is this a side hustle? Is this a full-time gig? Kind of clue us in as to the kind of how your journey leads you to where you're at today. My husband and I did keep a side hustle. So when we moved to Flagstaff, we um, started in real estate. We started renting properties, buying properties, um, dipping into short-term and long-term re rentals and Airbnb. Um, and we've kept that going from the very beginning, uh, from our first days in Flagstaff. Uh, but then at the same time, I'm building up a school. I'm having kids. Um, and really, it was a combination of things that um, COVID launched me into going into my own business. I ended up leaving um, FUSD in uh, th this last July to go full throttle with Theara, which is um, my new company. And in large part, that was due to my experience as a school administrator and as a mother. Um, I, I have five kids, but one of my, uh, my middle son is profoundly dyslexic. He was also um, 
born with a condition called childhood apraxia of speech. So he didn't really talk till he was almost four. For someone that's life is full of words, that was really hard for me. And um, at the same time, I was pretty well versed in the world of special education, at least from an administrator standpoint. I'm, I was in IEP meetings and 504 meetings all the time. And I was able to see areas where there were like disconnections and um, places we could create bridges and opportunities for better collaboration between parents and schools. Um, also, you know, I was in the thick of it with my own children trying to manage jobs. And um, I, I put together things that really worked for me at home in relationship to well living. And so um, in April, we were, I mean, my school, Northern Arizona distance learning tripled in size overnight. And um, we were, we all went online. There were some people that wanted to go online with the, the school that had been online all, all, all the way through. And uh, I managed it. I'm not the type of person that leaves, you know, it, when you're in the middle of a storm, I don't do that. You know, I stick things out. And um, we successfully got through the year. And I, then I really decided this is time for me to um, work from the outside in versus from the inside out. I mean, when you're in a public, in the public sector, um, there's bureaucracy and there's red tape that you have to work through. Whereas when you're working privately, you can kind of make strategic power moves. And I think my experience as um, at, in entrepreneurship, even though it was kind of minor and, and a side thing all the way along, it's really helped me see because I did struggle in that. We didn't lay the right foundation. And um, I learned, I think, along the way what needed to happen to, to have a more powerful impact right up front. No, and I think that, you know, that makes sense. And sometimes it is interesting. You have to almost get from the outside. And it's one where there's multiple things. And I didn't, I'm not quite to the outside because I'm still in the law or the law practice. But a lot of the things I even love to do with the legal practice and what we do with Miller IP law bucks a trend. And, and, you know, it, it doesn't really feel like it until I start talking with other attorneys and kind of explain how we do things and how we approach things and how we tackle them and why it makes sense to us. And then it's like, yeah, this really isn't the norm. And sometimes you have to kind of get outside of what people are used to, to, to make that, make that difference. So it sounds like you kind of found that as well. And so now as you decide, okay, I'm going to make the leap, kind of make this a, a more full-time focus and, and go after that. How's it gone since then? I mean, certainly COVID has changed things, but I think that it's also exposed, you know, some things that should have probably been available and being, being done beforehand. And it just kind of accelerated some of that, but how have things gone? Is it, you know, gone well, and it's been well adopted and accepted, or it's still a struggle or kind of where, where are things at today? Um, it's gone extremely well. Um, you're never going to get in a position. I don't think where you're void of struggle. That's part of this business, right? When you're doing new things and when you're an innovator and a trailblazer, you're going to have to, you're going to, you're going to hit challenges. You're going to have difficult times. Um, but I think having building right and having the right mindset going in, and that's really kind of the core of what I'm doing with Thiara. I, with Thiara, we're lighting the way to well living for the neurodiverse and those who love them at home, at school and at work. And I'm doing that by building curriculum, well, really online training that's very potent, easy to follow things that you can take away um, to, to really help people maximize their, reach their fullest potential, maximize the time that they have in their day. Um, use principles, we give guided principles. We use a lot of acronyms. I know everybody kind of, we, 
I feel like acronyms are overlooked sometimes because they're such incredible memory tools. And so I use a lot of acronyms. And one of the things that I've really incorporated is the BUILD acronym that we use at Sierra, and that's Be the Bridge, um, Not the Barrier, Utilize Your Resources. And that was probably one of my greatest challenges is I was doing the side hustle on my own. I wasn't, I, my husband and I would work together, but he was like my main point person versus inviting other really talented people onto our team and realizing that, you know, with that, you're inviting creative solutions. That's the I in the build. So, so you're inviting new people, new members that have new ideas and then listening intently to those people. Um, that's the L and then directing positively, like, I think it's really important. We have a no negativity rule. And that's not to say that you're not going to meet those challenges you are. But you always have to step back and say, okay, what's the golden nugget in this? Yes, this is a hardship, but it's also training for me. How can I take something away? What can I learn here? How can we do this better? So um, uh, the journey. definitely is a, a, great, a great approach. Now, one question I've had that I, maybe you'll be able to shed, or shed a bit of insight. I mean, you, certainly there's been a, large acceleration with COVID, right? A lot of online schooling, people are shut down, forced by necessity and, and you know, without getting into political overlays as to when things will change or when things will line up, I think is a bit of a crystal ball and the wet state you're in probably overlays that as well. But within all of that uncertainty, but also opportunity, you know, kind of with all of the change going around, where do you see things headed in the next, you know, six to 12 months for you guys? Well, I'm hoping, so the curriculum that I've developed, that, that we're developing is, is for home, for parents at home, for early childcare workers. It's also for educators, K-12. So it's guiding people through the academic journey and the parents of those students and teaching them how to most effectively collaborate together. And then we have Know the Way at Work, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion training that has a neurodiversity focus. And we also have a piece that's emerged ND, which is how to emerge positively as a neurodiverse individual. You know, people don't oftentimes wear a t-shirt that says I'm dyslexic. In fact, I just had a conversation with my son in the car who's 12. And he's like, you know, mom, am I going to, what's high school going to look like for me? And we, I, I mean, literally it was this morning and he had tears in his eyes thinking, because he's extremely intelligent. He's double exceptional. And um, he, he's like, I don't want to sit in a classroom with different kids. Well, that's the whole reason I'm doing Thiara is to change the landscape. And I think what has happened historically or what I saw for many years is kids who struggled in this way, a lot of times felt um, insecure socially and they would end up online. And it can be very isolating for kids online. They, it, I think they struggle more with issues like anxiety and depression when they're at home and they're just sitting with a screen and, and not getting that face-to-face -face encounter. So I think the best when it comes to education is a system where we're merging the best of our technologies and our in-person encounters with one another. And that's really what the R is trying to capitalize on. How can we do this together most effectively? How can we build relationships in the most impactful way? No, and I think that there's a lot of opportunity. And it's, it's, I don't know that it's easy or straightforward because I think that to find that balance. And we do a lot with our firm of doing, you know, servicing businesses that are all across the U.S. and trying to find that balance of personal touch and interaction and be able to establish relationship. And that's where it's not even an everyday and ongoing thing. And it's still 
a ton of work to find that right balance. And so uh, kudos to you guys, because I think that there's a lot of there are issues to address, but a lot of opportunity and done right, it can certainly be um, very impactful. With that, as we start to reach towards the end of the podcast, um, if I always have two questions I ask at the end, so we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Worst business decision, and it's kind of counterintuitive, I guess, but it was just, I always dove right in and I didn't always lay the right foundation for that. And so I would end up scattered and uh, stressed out and full of anxiety when we were hitting trouble zones. And I think that that kind of leads right into probably, I, I think what the best thing or, or the, my biggest takeaway was. And the biggest takeaway is really building right. And that's, you know, the acronym I was sharing before, which is be the bridge, utilize your uh, all your resources, invite creative solutions, listen intently and direct things positively. So those are my, my, my best piece of advice um, in relationship to entrepreneurship. No, and I think that that, uh, that definitely makes sense. And uh, I think that that's a, uh, easy mistake to learn or to make, but also a great one to learn from. So the second question I'll always ask is, if you're talking now to somebody that's just getting to a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? I think the biggest piece of advice is get the right people on your team and don't be afraid of doing that. Um, and I think take the time in the beginning to strategize and hopefully move forward in a way where you can afford um, to financially invest in those people. For me, I have a wonderful um, business consultant, um, Kemyar Shah, and he's been really helpful with me as far as moving forward and, and giving me those golden nuggets and those pieces of advice to build right in the very beginning and the structure that I need to have in place to start things right. Awesome. Well, I think that's definitely a great, uh, great takeaway. And I, I kind of like that uh, getting those, I think getting those pieces in place on the, the front end and, and getting that, setting it up for success can have a big impact on the business. So with that, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be a employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? The best way to contact me is at theara.com. That's T-H-E-A-R-A.com. And we're also on social media, on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram, as Theara Way, um, just W-A-Y. So T-H-E-A-R-D-W-A-Y. Awesome. Well, I definitely and, encourage... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I should be available there. You know, we I've got a blog going and we're going back with people and there's also an opportunity to subscribe, subscribe to a monthly newsletter and an opportunity to donate. And we need all the donations we can because I truly believe the neurodiverse are the innovators of our future. You know, you have people like, like Elon Musk, people like um, Bill Gates, Steven Spielberg, you know, they all are, are self-identified as neurodiverse and they're world changers. And so I think we need to really capitalize on that competitive advantage. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think there's a lot of ways that uh, we can uh, or help people to uh, be able to learn the best way possible to have the most benefit and otherwise uh, set them up for success. So I think that's definitely a great takeaway. 
And I definitely encourage people to reach out, find out more. And uh, if, if, if you, whether you want to be a customer, employee, an investor, or just be uh, Renee's next best friend, definitely a, a, a great uh, opportunity. But with that, thank you again, Renee, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. Um, just go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show couple more things as listeners, make sure to leave us a review, subscribe, share, because we want to make sure that everyone finds out about all these awesome episodes. And last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents, your trademarks, or anything else with your business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. Well, thank you again, Renee, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. I really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Have a good one. You too.